0: E.M. Board Bombs. Welcome back to another episode of E.M. Board Bombs. This is the podcast that makes board studying and exam preparation much more enjoyable. My name is Blake Briggs. I am the co-host, co-founder of E.M. Board Bombs. We are excited to invite Dr. Casey Glass back for Hocus Pocus Part 2. Now, if you haven't listened to Part 1, no biggie. You feel free to listen to this episode and go back and listen to Part 1. they are no really particular order. Today, we'll be talking about tamponade... We'll be talking about torsion and some OB first trimester stuff. Everybody's favorite ultrasound to do in the ED, right? So remember with EM Board MOMS, we do 10 to 15 minute podcast episodes. You gain high yield board knowledge. As you like to say, you come for the stems and stay for the content. You can sign up on our website for free episode updates um, as well as you know printed handouts you can find on select topics. These are great for exam prep, great for refreshers on big pathology topics. You can go to our website at emborbums.com. You can find us on Twitter at emborbums as well. And Dr. Casey Glass is on Twitter at the Casey Glass. And the illustrious Dr. Glass is here again. We are excited to have him. Thank you for joining us. So moving on, let's talk about the first trimester pregnancy. That's another one that you mentioned briefly, but something I would love to hear yeah, more detail about.
1: I've taught ultrasound for I guess more than 10 years now, and um, it's funny because as an ultrasound instructor, like endocavitary ultrasound, like the image quality is great, and you're just like, if you're trying to make this diagnosis, this is a this is the way to do this study. And when I teach residents, and if I teach attendings, they're all like, oh god, I just don't want That's to, have to do that. And That's the one. That's like, the one. I just don't want to have to do that, yeah. but. There
2: Um, might have been, in attending that answered your recent survey question about (laughs) said ultrasounds, that might have said, hey, that's one I need a little bit of pause on, some more training.
1: So typically speaking, they're they're probably going to show you an empty uterus. So the case that I see showing is simply a transabdominal pelvic image of the bladder and a uterus with no visible IUP. And the case will probably be a ruptured ectopic. So you'll have this unstable patient you'll have this abdominal or this pelvic ultrasound view which should be familiar to you from the FAST exam. Um, and so they, they have a reasonable ability to expect most people to kind of recognize this view and they'll show you a uterus that simply does not have any pregnancy signs in it. Um, and so that would be concerning for uh, a ruptured ectopic. There may or may not be pelvic free fluid in that view which also they could reasonably expect you to recognize from FAST exams and things like that. And so they're going to try to give you as many opportunities as possible to not mess this up not mess this up like they're (laughs) in the cases typically the findings are pretty obvious you you really have to not know anything about ultrasound to screw it up so um they're they're not going to show you a gestational sac with a double decidual reaction and try to get you to you know finagle whether or not this patient is pregnant
0: I, I totally agree. You know, they have I have actually seen the picture too in review questions of you have the, the endometrial strip and then you're looking in the pouch of Douglas and there's free fluid there. You yeah. know, in that view and that's totally what they're going for. Yeah. Another thing I've actually seen is a this is kind of a dirty question. So you look at it and they show a gestational sac and everything and you're it's introduced in pregnancy, but then they tell you the woman has vaginal bleeding and an open os, and it's like what type of Miscarriage is this? What type of abortion is this? And that's another type of question. I feel like those secondary, tertiary questions, or they even go a step farther and like, here's the ultrasound. What do you want to do with her? And it's like telling you her symptoms with it. Be a very hard question, but you're right. That's not going to be as common. as The ultrasound
1: piece of it should not be. No,
0: it's not. But yeah, that's you're right. That's going to be the main image is gestational pregnancy or not. And then the rest of the question will correlate your next steps. You know, obviously, if they're they could be asking you, yeah, there is an ectopic here in this question. What's the next step? Is it methotrexate or is it surgery? Right? Yeah. And that'll be kind of, again, that'll be a whole different tertiary question of guidelines based on that. Yeah. And of course, you'll be in real life, you would talk to OB before you do any of that. But that's <laughs> yeah, going to be. I would say probably <laughs> the question will OB. Do you call OB or send them help? Yeah. yeah. So, but, but in the boards, remember, you're the one trick pony. You are right. the one doctor doing pretty much everything yeah. until you can't do surgery. That's pretty much what I've discovered on boards.
1: <laughs> yeah. So if you. Uh, Are 10 years out and recertifying and you're trying to figure out what to study the answer for the the pregnancy question is really just can you recognize a uterus on an ultrasound image and do you know what the intrauterine findings for pregnancy would be Uh, and the most conservative definition would be a uh, yolk sac at least in a nice-looking gestational sac and the uterine fundus would be would be the nicest thing
0: to see great that's helpful um, moving on, because we mentioned one more thing, and this is probably ne- actually I think probably one of the easiest ultrasound images, which would be tamponade. But why don't we talk a little yeah. bit further deep? Let's go into some a deep dive with this, because I think oh, people want to know more. Deep dives. I love, love dives.
1: Me, me, lovey the echo. And so, <laughs> uh, the and that's kind of the thing. Echo is is probably the one exam that everyone wants to do. So I work with groups including. Uh, you know, the NICU and anesthesia, internal medicine and pediatrics. And whenever I work with a new group that's starting to take up point of car ultrasound, the first thing or one of the first two or three things always they're asking for is echo. And this
2: is going to be on your boards, without a doubt. It will be in some sort of context and you need to know what type of ventricles are going to be affected, what type of ventricles aren't filling appropriately. That you have to know.
1: Yeah, in terms of basic echo anatomy, you should be able to kind of recognize the major structures. So again, ventricles, atria, um, the vena cava, those things you should be able to, to recognize from a subcostal four-chamber view or an apical view. I think probably they wouldn't give you parasternal views, um, but I would expect yeah, that you could see kind of the major four-chamber views on, a, on an exam. The biggest thing to understand in terms of studying for the boards and ECHO, especially if you're a graduate coming out of training right now, is probably we were taught a bunch of stuff about echo and residency that is almost certainly not going to be on the exam in terms of right heart strain, McConnell's sign, diastolic uh, physiology. These things are not going to be on the exam. The exam is going to be pretty straightforward. Well, not yet, yes. yet. Give it 10 years. Yeah. Um, right now, the exam is going to be about gross cardiac function. So they could show you a cine loop of somebody whose EF is, you know, ten or fifteen percent, and say, "Hey, this person is really short of breath. What you think is the worst or most likely reason?" They show you some wet lungs, you know, a, a wetted out chest X-ray. This echo that would be an easy
0: Takasubu every time. Every time.
1: <laughs> Life octopus, is sad octopus. and <laughs> it affects your heart, so you have to be careful. And you have a, you know, octopus-like. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Probably the other thing that they would show you would be tamponade. So, you know, this patient's hemodynamically unstable. You throw the ultrasound on. This is what you see. What's the next uh, step? And that would be a great case because the next step should be, remember that you're doctor everything and there's no one to help you, is to do a pericardiocentesis emergently. Uh, And so that would be, you know, the perfect board case or oral boards case is hey you have this patient who has cancer and is now hemodynamically unstable and you throw the ultrasound on and you see this what should you do next? that is going to be on
2: the boards it really is <laughs> I mean, that's just straight up that's going to be on your in-service exam that's going to be on
0: your board it's going to be on your research you have to know that i can't tell you how many times i've actually seen that question come up yeah, yeah. um it's i mean it's almost like clockwork you yeah, see the yeah. picture or they even just mention the fact that he has muffled heart sounds or something yeah, whatever right. who knows and then it shows his blood pressure and you're like what do you do next and it's like are there contraindications doing that this? Yeah. absolutely not <laughs> so, just,
2: <laughs> and we're going to put several images of this up on our instagram as well because if there's one thing we want you to take away from this it's the ultrasound of the uterus that is leading you to believe there's an ectopic and it's also going to be the tamponade as well and the order of the fast because that is without a doubt going to be on your exam yeah. bread and butter stuff So, Casey, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was how they might even present ultrasound as a reassuring way, but, you know, again, you need to know from a clinical context that there still could be something going on, Uh, especially on the oral boards. Uh, You know, I've heard of uh, this particular scenario related to abruption, you know, where you've got a patient, maybe involved in MVC, and, you know, they show you some reassuring images.
1: Yeah, so I I would say for the most part on the boards, you're not gonna see ultrasound used uh, to motivate actions outside of kind of the emergencies that we've talked about. And abruption is a great example where we know the ultrasound is not helpful. It would right. seem intuitive, especially if you're not familiar with ultrasound or you don't remember, you haven't studied up on abruption, you haven't reviewed that recently. It would seem intuitive that if the ultrasound looks okay, that things are okay. But we know that ultrasound is not at all sensitive for abruption, that the most useful findings are um, uh, fetal monitoring to look for fetal distress, and TOCO to look for contractions. Uh, and so, uh, you know, in that particular case, they probably would say, yeah, the ultrasound looked fine, but the wrong thing to do would be to let that patient go home. You would need to keep them on monitoring. For, right. You know, and they might even present
2: ultrasound as mm-hmm. an option choice. Right. And uh, someone reading the question, they'd say, oh, oh
1: yeah, let's sure, let's
2: do an ultrasound. And not knowing that, you know, it's yeah. not really helping you in yeah. that case.
0: Abruption is a perfect example of, I feel like, of something you learn about in med school that sounds really easy. Kind of like, seriously, appendicitis sounds really easy in med school, right, right. but in real life, and dissection, too. Dissection, appendicitis, abruption, I feel like those three that in med school are like, oh, slam dunk. But on the uh, when you get to real life, you're like, holy crap, these things are really hard to correlate and diagnose because, yeah, yeah. you know, except yeah. for getting a CT scan for appendicitis, you know, you don't want to CT everybody. So abruption, you know, you have to correlate with the labs. Not even the labs always right. tell you what's going on, the fibrinogen level. The ultrasound's not always positive. I mean, that's what people confuse with the the other cause of abdominal pain right. in the third trimester, the previa, personal previa. That actually is diagnostic with ultrasound, yeah, exactly. not abruption. So just people get that confused a lot. Uh, but you're right, the only, especially in a pregnant woman, the classic question they come in after an MVC How long do you monitor a question, you know, and the ultrasound's not going to be ultrasound dispo home. It's not going to be the answer.
1: So you mentioned dissection there, and that's another great example of a place where you might think about doing ultrasound uh, where ultrasound is really not the ideal test choice. So sure, in the ED on a shift, if you thought someone had a dissection, you might go ahead and take a look at that just for... Uh, hoping you're lucky, really, and seeing it. Uh, But the gold standard test, of course, for that is still uh, aortography, either CT, angio, or uh, classic uh, angiography. And so you want to keep in mind that a lot of things where we use ultrasound to facilitate a diagnosis, uh, the ultrasound is still not the ideal test for that. Uh, Chest pain. If you have somebody with anginal chest pain, well, sure, if you are really good at echo, you could put the echo on and maybe do some speckle tracking and look for some regional wall motion abnormalities, but that is not going to be the standard of care test of choice that they're going to present to you. They're going to offer you, uh, you know, serial troponins. They're going to offer you uh, cardiology consultation, admission for stress testing, those other sorts of things. Um, there, there's not going to be cases where these kind of um, developing areas of practice are going to be the... Uh, right answer most of the time uh,
2: and if you do want to sound um, really cool you can say things like speckle tracking speckle I mean, tracking speckle track. so yeah. you can you know when you call up cards you can be like what is it they'll say hey, didn't have good windows uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have great windows for my speckle tracking but um, yeah, the space of the was maybe <laughs> yeah. 25 to 55% <laughs> yeah. standard yeah. deviation of 10, standard yeah. deviation of 10. Yeah. 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 plus minus plus
1: yeah. minus 15 yeah, it's just a merge room guys come on <laughs>
0: The best was when I was on a surgical ICU rotation, and uh, one of the surgeons was doing an echo, and they came out and said, I think the EF's about uh, 33%. I'm like, what number is that, and where are you getting
1: that? (laughs) Yes, definitely.
0: Moving on a little bit, um, what do you think about, you know, kind of shifting gears? We've talked about the pictures, the common things. I guess I wanted to dive in, and I want to get your perspective on approaches to what is the standard of care Answer when you have a patient presentation, what is something that you are always aiming for ultrasound as the first test? I know some of these are obvious, but what are things that you would see come up in a patient presentation and say, oh, yeah, that's what they're going for and they want an ultrasound of this area?
1: Uh, I mean, I think classically, again, think about the core exams yeah, and the most useful application for ultrasound for those exams. So your unstable trauma patient, absolute absolutely fast scan is going to yeah. be the, the answer. Uh, you know, ectopic pregnancy, so pregnant patient unstable. Pregnancy, ultrasound, so pelvic ultrasound or the FAST exam in that case, depending on how they present it to you, would be the test of choice. Um, elderly patient, abdominal pain, hypotension, doing a bedside aorta exam would be the next, potentially the next step. I guess they could see you stabilize them first. If they say, hey, here's this patient who's unstable and we're already giving blood products and have IV access, what, you know, diagnostic test do you want to do first? You know, bedside exam for aorta would probably be my first choice an unstable elderly person with new belly or back pain who's unstable Mm -hmm. and so they're going to usually set it up so that it's clear that whatever answer you would get from the ultrasound will end the case so Mm -hmm. you know unstable trauma patient positive fast that kind of ends the case they're going to go with the surgeon to the operating room or if you're not with the surgeon you're going to transfer them to the surgeon to go to the operating room you know the the same thing for the ectopic your ultrasound result is going to send them with the gynecologist obstetrician to wherever it is that they need to go Uh, And so, you know, look for those cases where the case essentially ends after a given ultrasound result.
0: Right. And those are the critical patients, of course, too. And I I always tell students this, and and, and I feel like as residents, too, we have to know this and even people recertifying, is that for the stable patient, you're always going to go in the order of like the SOAP, history, physical, diagnostics, and then treatment. And so, of course, your stable patient that needs an ultrasound would come way before the treatment part. Sure. However, as you're saying, these unstable people, you're going to skip potentially the diagnostic part because you don't really know what's going on. They're unstable patient. You would skip right to the therapeutic part. And that's what you're talking about, giving blood yeah, products, absolutely. things like that. Yeah. And that's a classic thing on the test. If they ever give you a choice of, you know, always go talk to the patients, always the answer, or do a physical exam is always the answer. But <laughs> if you have an unstable patient, is you skip all that stuff and go straight to, you need to quickly intervene on this patient. Right, right. Um, but kind of, di- uh, kind of going into our, I guess, walkie-talkie patients, as I call them, yeah. the people that come in with right upper mm-hmm. quadrant pain. Yeah. Those are the people that are classically, or people with pancreatitis. People always forget that CT should not be really the initial test for a pretty stable-ish-looking pancreatitic patient. Yeah. It should be an ultrasound. Absolutely. Because the number one cause of pancreatitis is gallstones. So that's what a classic trip up is. That I feel like everybody shoots yeah. for these CTs in this day and age. And in real cases, people with yeah. abdominal pain, you got to think about the right upper quadrant ultrasound for those um, cholecystic patients or the pelvic ultrasound for females. And that was kind of as my lead-in. Um, accidental lead in here. I was like, why not? Let's ask him. This has come up a lot recently. Yeah. What do you think about torsion kind of work up here? I feel like there's a lot of opinions on that. Oh. Yeah. And what are the guidelines changing on that? Yeah. <laughs>
1: torsion. So so uh, as like an ED ultrasound director, ultrasound educator who works with, you know, non-specialists, generally speaking, torsion uh, or uh, testicular or ovarian torsion are not really point of care exams because the Doppler findings can be difficult to identify and it requires a pretty good ultrasound technique. So they're not gonna present you a case where they're gonna ask you to diagnose torsion based on reading ultrasound images. Um, in terms of the management of ovarian torsion in particular, um, the big things there are that uh, typically to torsion an ovary, you need some sort of mass to torse around. So if the ovary on the ultrasound result is large, so, so let's say they present a case that sounds like ovarian torsion, that colicky flank pain that's pretty bad. You get your pelvic ultrasound and they give you the report that shows there's a you know a five centimeter ovary with a large cyst and normal flow uh well that certainly could be intermittent torsion because you have the mass that you need you have a good clinical history that sounds like torsion and just because the ultrasound is reassuring in terms of blood flow right now doesn't mean they're not torsing off and on and so again remember they want you to be conservative they always want you to be um managing the patient in a way as to reduce risk as much as possible. And so that patient, uh, you know, they typically want you to get gynecology involved with their care to make sure that they. um,
2: That's such a great point. I'm glad you guys mentioned that because torsion is not a diagnosis that is done based on ultrasound. Ovarian torsion is based on history and physical exam findings. That's really how it's based. And the ultrasound being negative does not mean they do
0: not have torsion. And one thing I wanted to add, was uh, you know, the common things I see come up on torsion is that they say it's actually not really a sudden onset of pain, from what I've read. Uh, it, you know, people compare this all the time to testicular yeah. torsion. It's not the same thing. And I feel like on boards, they're always going to say it's actually more of an insidious kind of onset of pain. And then we already said, mentioned it's associated with masses. That's a classic board question. That's the most common cause. Yeah. A lot of them are going to have some type of heterogeneous mass or cyst or something. Yeah, and then the other thing I've discovered is that the most common finding on ultrasound is, is not lack of Doppler flow. That's something that's actually correct. not common, yeah. it's I actually mean, if, a mass that's no found. Form. Low,
1: yeah. Great. Then, yeah. Then you're really, really done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the most common thing, either either on uh, CT imaging or ultrasound, is simply going to be an ovarian mass. Which Absolutely. Is, which is the nidus around which the right. ovary is torsing. And, and the hand. correct answer is OB
0: guidance. Yes. Absolutely. It really is. Yeah. And that's yeah. standard of care and, and yeah. totally right because even if the in this, I feel like residents would not know this part or students especially was that let's say the ultrasound is quote unquote negative and it just shows maybe a yeah. possible they say cyst. Patient's yeah. Patient's
1: pain is improving. There yeah. You have this large ovary, there's flow, their pain's improving,
0: still needs guidance. And And potentially they would get a a a laparoscopic procedure, and that's extremely uh, common and indicated for them. For sure. All right. Dr. Glass, we really appreciate you coming by to talk to us here. Yeah, um, no problem. We need to make this a regular thing. I think we can. We'll pencil yeah. you in next Yeah, time. yeah. We're going to have a lot of Instagram pictures uh, and videos along with
2: this episode that we did. Our uh, Instagram handle is emboardbomb, so definitely follow us there. Remember Dr. Glass's Twitter handle as well, thekcglass. At VKC Glass. At VKC Yeah, don't forget the ad. Make All sure right. to drop us an Apple review. We appreciate those.
0: Uh, in the comments section of that Apple review, let us know what future topics you want. Remember, our Twitter handle is at emboardbombs. Same with our Instagram. Uh, feel free to email, subscribe. It's no cost to you. You get future episodes, updates. And again, so that's emboardbombs.com. You can sign up. And our Twitter, again, is at emboardbombs. Instagram, at emboardbombs. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Hey,
1: thanks.